Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody, who loves coffee? I love coffee. I know you love coffee. And if you don't love coffee, you know what? You should probably start loving coffee. And I got just the coffee for you guys. You can go to lionsofliberty.com slash coffee and purchase a bag of The Morning Roar. Uh, It's a partnership we have with our friends at Anarcho Coffee. Uh, It's a delicious blend. I drink it every single morning out of my French press because I'm classy like that, and it's the best way to drink coffee. You don't have to drink it out of a French press. You can put it in your little fancy Keurig machine or your coffee maker, however you drink coffee, you can get it that way. Um, you're going to get the coffee, so go to lionsofliberty.com slash coffee. You're going to follow a link that's going to take you over there, which makes sure that we get a little credit for kicking some business that way. We get paid. It's fantastic. So make sure you're buying it through this link. And I also want to remind you that there is a, uh, a code. If you join the Lions of Liberty Pride at the $10 or higher level, we have a coffee code that is going to get you 15% off every time you buy the Morning Roar. So check it out, lionsofliberty.com slash coffee. Welcome to Felony Friday. A presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, your favorite show that takes a look at our broken criminal justice systems and brings you stories, brings you the actual human beings who have suffered through uh, either in a crazy extended sentence, or maybe they're serving, they serve time for a crime that they didn't commit, or maybe they really did mess up and they serve that time and they learn from it. One thing all these people have in common is all of these stories are inspiring and all of these humans have found success after prison. I have a great story just like that to share with you today. I'll introduce my guest in just a minute. I want you to note today's show notes page, which can be found at lionsofliberty.com slash FF192, because this is the 192nd episode of Felony Friday. I can't believe it. We're creeping so close to 200. So, so close. And also, I want to remind you guys that next Friday, Friday the 13th, we are releasing to the public the Lions of Liberty documentary. Of course, our Pride members have already watched it because uh, it's was released to the Pride uh, a few weeks ago. So if you want early access to the Lions of Liberty doc, you can join the Pride now. Also, we are running a special for the Lions of Liberty documentary release to join the Lions of Liberty Pride. Three days only. This promo is going to run from 9.13, the day that we released the doc, to 9.15 at midnight. Here's the special. New patrons at 10 or higher will get a free... Taxation is death mug, in addition to all the other stuff listed there on our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. 
all of our current patrons, all of our current Lions of Liberty Pride members who upgrade to $10 or higher will get a free Taxation is Death mug. That's right. People say taxation is theft all the time. Guess what? You're right. It is theft. But you know what? It's also death, and it causes death and destruction in society. Let's stop sugarcoating this. Let's get to the core. Let's actually get some attention. Taxation is death. Also, all current Pride members will receive a code for 50% off of a Taxation is Death mug. Um, It's an awesome mug. I will put a link to the page so you can check it out. You can look at it at our store. Uh, It's fancy. It's, It's very nice. So check that out. And that's all I got, guys. Let's get rolling right into today's episode. My guest today on Felony Friday is Missy Trigg. Missy received a 10-year mandatory minimum sentence for conspiracy to distribute 500 grams or more of methamphetamine and an additional five-year mandatory minimum sentence for possessing a gun at the same time. While Missy was in prison, uh, she didn't let her time be wasted uh, during this uh, time of incarceration. Missy worked to receive a National Federation of Personal Trainers certification and started a Biggest Loser fitness camp, which she used to help scores of incarcerated women lose weight and improve their health. Uh, Missy was released from prison back in uh, November of 2018, and she is here today to share her story. Missy, welcome to Felony Friday. Hi. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and you know, I think you do have a, a very, you know, talking about your time in prison there and the, the impact you were able to have on other prisoners. I want to get to that. I want to get to that part of your story because I think it's very inspirational. But with a lot of my guests, you know, the place I like to start is sort of before things, you know, took a turn, uh, before things went sideways, as people say. Um, so could you just share with my audience sort of a little bit about your background, where you grew up, uh, what your early uh, life was like? Okay, um, I grew up in Platte City, Missouri, which is a um, little farm town just north of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, we had 100 people in our graduating class, very small. I was raised on 40 acres. We had thoroughbred racehorses. Uh, I rode racehorses. Was an only child, had two stepbrothers um, that I saw periodically. And I ran track in school, played softball, very social. Um, probably was up there with the ones most likely to succeed in school. And um, just stayed busy being athletic. Uh, after that, I went to, um, I had a full ride scholarship to Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Uh, at that point in time, my uh, stepdad and mom divorced. And I was going through a lot with that. And I thought it was just best if I came home from school, came home, met my husband at the time. And he owned a auto body and tow service. So I went to work for him. We had a son. And about six weeks after I had my son, um, I discovered that my husband was using methamphetamine and, of course, wanted no part of it and mm-hmm. quickly decided to try it. And it, it grabbed me. Definitely got a hold so of me. Was that, was that the first time you had ever, ever tried drugs of any kind or first time you ever tried methamphetamine? No. Or? First time I'd ever done drugs of any kind. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, it was totally against it. Totally. I mean, stayed away from it. Was never raised around it. Didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. So was your husband at the time, he was just a, a user? Or was he also yes, involved um, in... No, he was a social user. Um, he did it more to get a lot of work done at the body shop. 
uh, you know, come to find out that well, I guess a lot of our employees were doing that to, you know, stay up and work long hours. Uh, we actually had a very successful body shop with lots of business. So their long hours were paying off. I just didn't know what was fueling the long hours at the time. And then I discovered, um, stumbled upon some information and found out that he was using. It was that so, quick. <laughs> how did it uh, unfold after that? So you started using, how did you get into well, I, actually uh, distributing? I, I went to, it was actually um, Halloween of 1996. And I decided to go to a Halloween party with him. And I knew that some of the people that were there were the people that he was using drugs with. And I kind of went more, I don't know if I was just curious, not of the drugs, but just of the people. And mm-hmm. actually when I met them, uh, it wasn't like what I had seen on TV. They were average, just like people you see. I mean, they would look like doctors or lawyers or, you know, they weren't the, the bottom of the barrel, put it that way. Like right. a lot they of weren't, people they that, weren't uh, missing all their teeth. and or, uh, Right, and that stuff. right. And so, um, as the night went on, you know, we had a few drinks and it was offered to me and I made the choice, choice that changed my life. And I did my first line of methamphetamine and it was over after that, uh, within probably three weeks after that, because I'm such a outgoing, um, person that I went out and met my own crowd of people and met somebody, a supplier, and it took off from there. And it was small dealing, um, not even really to make money, just to give something to to the people I hung out with. And then it just grew from there. So you, you said uh, that you and your husband had a successful auto body shop at the time, right? Yes. Uh, we did have a, we did have a, um, a good body shop and um, really the drugs took over. Everybody there um, that worked there was on drugs. And after a while, you can't just run a body shop and stay open, you know, practically 24 hours a day and then be shut down for four days because everybody needs to go to bed. And that's really what happens when you're strung out on that kind of drug. Um, So my husband had made a choice in 99 to shut the body shop down. Shortly after that, of course, um, we, we weren't having a healthy marriage. Our marriage fell apart and I left him. And I was out on my own, took my son, went out on my own, and really dove deep. That's when I really dove deep into the dealing and the using uh, to try to support myself and my son. Uh, That was uh, definitely the wrong way to do it. But at that moment, that's all I knew. And that was the the easiest and the fastest way to make the money. At that point in time, I I left him and I met my uh, the boyfriend I had, which I got in trouble with shortly after that. And that's when he introduced me to a group of his friends and things got very large. Um, That's when the firearms became involved and it was, it was out of control faster than you could have blinked your eye. How much time went by during this? So we're talking years or months or. Um, After I got arrested and seeing the paperwork, the group that, um, that I was supplying and hanging out with were actually under investigation in 2002 by the ATF and DEA. I came into the picture in 2003. Um, so I think that the way I understand it from what I've read is that they were already under surveillance. And then all of a sudden I popped into the picture and then the focus was then on me, you know, who's this new player, who is this girl. And so I kind of fell into an, uh, an investigation that was already going on. This went on for until I was indicted in 2000 of May 2nd, 2005. 
I was um, then set up in a sting operation that the ATF and DEA had. And I was, was caught red-handed. When you were caught red-handed, was it, um, that, how did the setup play out? I mean, was um, the setup who, who played set you out up, really, I guess? <laughs> the ex-boyfriend had his hand in getting me um, set up. Um, the, they played it out. They stayed at a house. The, uh, one of my co-defendants, um, which who was one of my big sellers for me at the time, um, they got him early, early that morning, I guess, when he took his trash out. And then they set up a sting operation at his house all day. They hit all the police cars and anybody who came to their house, they, of course, questioned and arrested all day. Um, I called his cell phone, which they were answering the cell phone, acting like him. Um, I had second. I kept second guessing if I was talking to him. So finally, by the end of the evening, this had gone on all day. I told him I was on my way to his house, you know, to collect some money, um, come hang out with him. And I, he lived around a lake. So when I came around the lake, I could see the house. Everything looked good. Pull up in the driveway, garage doors wide open, um, his truck's there. Uh, everything's fine. I knock on the door and who opened that door and told me to come in was not him. It was about 12 ATF officers and the DEA. And at that point in time, um, I never traveled with a firearm on me. Uh, it wasn't my thing. It was most of the guys on our case. And I was transporting one to his house to put up for us. Was it an illegal firearm or was it? Um, it was actually a, um, it came from a retired Kansas City police officer. I guess he had a, a robbery at his house. And a lot of his guns were on the street and we ended up with one. So... It had KCPD engraved in the side of it, and um, that was probably not the best thing to have in your purse when you have some drugs in there, too. Right, right. Yes. And I just handed my purse over. You know, it's, it wasn't like in the movies. There's not a shootout. And once they told me who they were, um, of course, I asked for their ID, and um, I handed them my purse, and I gave up. And you were arrested right, right then? And uh... Oh, yes. I felt so at peace because it was finally over. You know, you just, really? you get so deep in it. You can't, you can't get out. Uh, most people can't. And I just, yeah, I felt like a, a whole load was lifted off my shoulders. So had you, it had was, you thought about being caught and being arrested prior to that? Um, I had thought about it, but you always feel like I felt that I had never been in trouble before. So I, what would happen to me? I'll get out. I'll get out of it. As long as they don't catch me with everything, I'll get out of it. Well, the one day I walk in that sting operation, I had everything on me. <laughs> right. So everything happens for a reason. And yeah, that, so at that time I got arrested and I was sent to um, a holding facility. And I stayed there for 25 days until the whole indictment came out. And then I was bonded out to my mother on a signature bond with the stipulations that I had to go to inpatient uh, rehab, 30 days of inpatient rehab. And then I could be out on pretrial release because they didn't feel like I was a flight risk. So I did all everything they asked. And um, I was out on pretrial for about 18 months before my actual sentencing date. So I actually got to live in society. And, um, you know, of course, the waiting the day, you know, is inevitable that's coming. And then I started my um, 180 month sentence on August 14th of 2006. So that, that was a plea deal then? Yes. Um, did did everybody, did all your co-defendants plea as well? Yes, nobody went to trial. Right, right. So at, at what point during this, I guess prior to your plea, at what point did you realize how much trouble you were in? 
Um, I thought I, my attorney had told me that I was probably going to get 10 years. I didn't know until the day of my sentencing that I was going to get that extra five for the gun. We thought they were, the, that they run together. Um, the five and the 10 would run concurrent. They don't. And oh, wow. I didn't know until that day. And I went into utter shock. And as soon as the judge sentenced me like this, this feeling came over me of just let's do this. Let's start now. Let's get so, it over so with. So you went in there thinking 10 years and you walk out of there and it's fi- the 15. 15. That's, just, that's incredible. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So you said you went in with, with you you went into prison with a mentality uh, just to do it to to serve the time and uh, I know I've read a little bit of your bio um, and it it seems like that you, you kind of got in a little bit of a, a funk there for a while. I did um, the first I probably it was about three months because I went in there um, of course angry and thinking that somebody was going to save me. I would file an appeal and I would be out and all these other people would be in there and prison wasn't for me um, because I didn't want to take a look. still didn't want to take responsibility. And it's, it's hard for us to take a look at ourselves and to see what we've done and to know that you actually probably need to be in that situation that you're in. You need to be in prison. So it was, um, yeah, I was hateful. Um, I was kind of spending some time to myself walking the track and, and not really getting into the back into the fitness, you know, cause I was athletic in high school. So I was standing in the phone line one Sunday and I, I swear, I feel like it was um, a total higher power that, that came into me. And I looked over at the sign they had on the bulletin board and it advertised for the, um, an FPT class, the personal trainers course. And I walked right up to it and I signed it and started the class. And from that point on, I started becoming a different person. And I felt like if I could change as many lives as I know that I had screwed up, and that's what the mission I was on. And I, I went on a mission not only to help other people, but to change who I was too. And it all just became a package deal. Uh, it took me about, I started teaching classes, doing personal training on the side. Um, and then this idea came to me about this Biggest Loser program. And, uh, and we actually called it Fitness Camp, is what we ended up naming it. Mm-hmm. And it was a six-week-long program. And I started off with, I only wanted 20 ladies. Of course, I was scared of failure, you know, and it was a total success and it it grew from there. And I was transferred around to five different camps throughout my whole stay and took the program with me everywhere I went. And it just got larger and larger. And when I finally ran my last program in Greenville, Illinois, before I left last fall, I had 176 ladies in the the class. Wow. So did did you gain a, a reputation sort of going from camp to camp as? Oh, yes people would hear about me before I would even get there. And they were so excited when they would hear I was transferring and coming because then they knew that their lives were going to, they were going to get skinny and get fit. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was, it was great. It was nice to be wanted, you know, and to be able to have the, the time and the effort to give to these ladies. What types of uh, exercise equipment did you have access to in there? Was it like a a full gym or like what kind of workouts were you, were you teaching? Yes. um, Most of the places, um, had full-size gyms like you would see your high school not Mm -hmm. all of them had weights um it was like they had to be grandfathered in there was always a little tricky situation to having the weights at the prison so i developed a class a boot camp class which of course was all body weight so i ran the class also with my weight loss program and so we would do and so i just would a lot of stuff i mean i read a ton of books people always sending me books 
but I didn't like to pull any workouts out of the books. I wanted things to be my own, my own personality, my own workout. And so I started teaching myself things and experimenting. I mean, what better time to experiment is when you have a bunch of women right there, all different body types, all different personalities. And I've discovered a whole new layout of a HIT routine, um, which HIT is high intensity interval training that I've actually now incorporated weights to that's been highly successful. So, and a lot of people like outside of prison, you don't have that opportunity because you're a personal trainer and you charge people and you can't just be experimenting and just throwing stuff at them. And hopefully it works, you know, because if they're paying you. So in my situation, I was blessed because of course it's for free and they're willing to try anything I'm going to give them. Right. So at that point, yeah, I got to, I got to learn a lot. It was very educational and, um, I love the experiment, the experience of it. It was wonderful. I, I would think with being in prison, one of the hardest things would be just getting proper nutrition. Was it hard it was, to get, you know, the, the right was, kind of food? To... Um, the last camp I was at in Greenville was the greatest success we had with the program. The um, food service supervisor was totally on board with being fit and eating healthy. And we actually, he would cook special food for the fitness camp people. And they would go in there and they would actually get served. We got it approved through the warden and the camp administrator where they would actually go eat at a different time. And the food that was only offered to them was the healthy food they could eat. And then we got the commissary on board with it. And they had a special list of like, we could put about 20 items on it. We couldn't do too much of um, snacks and stuff that the ladies could, and different tuna and chicken, you know, some leaner stuff um, that they could order if they were in the program. So once I got the food service and commissary on board, it was, it was big. The program was big. It was very successful and it was, it was great. That's, that's awesome. So you've been able to translate that from being a personal trainer while in prison and helping so many women to, are you doing this? Are you a personal trainer now on the outside? Are you like working towards that or? I'm working towards that. Um, At first when you're in that halfway house and you're still under the Bureau of Prisons, you cannot work, be self-employed. So I would, um, I had to go to work for a different company. I work at Cargo Largo Bid Sale and which I've now been promoted to the team lead of that. So I stay very busy working and I do some personal training on the side. Um, I, and I work out with them and I'm, my brother-in-law just opened a gym right here in Kansas city. And as they get things put together, they're going to start offering classes and they want me to incorporate to come teach for them too. So I'll be able to take my talent that I've learned in prison and pay it forward again. Very cool. Yes. So speaking of you, you're saying you do, you have a brother-in-law that, that has a gym. Have, has you, have you had support from family and friends throughout this oh, entire process? Yes. Tons of support. Um, I really don't have a, a large circle of friends because you have to change your playground and your playmates. If you're going to be successful when you come out. And all the people that I hung around before I went to prison, of course, were involved in um, drugs and guns, and and I cannot do that anymore. So I don't really have a circle of friends, but my circle of family has gotten very large that I didn't even realize that I had. Mm -hmm. So I've been very, very blessed um, in that area of having lots of support. I I like that saying, you have to change your your playmates and your playground. And you know what? Yes. I think that's true with, um, you know, obviously you're saying coming out of prison, getting out of that crowd. That's true with a lot of things in life. You know, if, if yes. you're trying to be a high performer and try to, if you're you know working in corporate America, you're an entrepreneur, whatever you're doing, um, 
you can't surround yourself with people who uh, don't have those same aspirations. You got to surround yourself with people who are who are stretching. So that's right. uh, that's outstanding advice. Yes. Yep, it's the truth. I mean, right now I had talked to the um, one of the people at the probation office. Uh, I have this desire to I want to speak to men and women. Of course, I connect more with women because I've been in the women's prison um, of how to do their time because I it's all about I could have went in there and sat in front of the TV, fought in the microwave line, crocheted, played cards the whole time and absolutely did nothing with my time, took no classes, anything. And it totally affects on how successful you are when you come out. Um, I truly believe it. And if I could just tell enough people that unfortunately would have to walk into that situation and have to do some time, it's all about how you do your time. And it will change who you are, totally change who you are. 100%. I guess i got two more questions for you here. Okay. So reintegration, what has been the most difficult aspect for you of reintegrating back into society. I know, I know you're, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been long for you, but. Um, Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I still have problems going to Walmart. It's uh, a lot of choices on the shelves and a lot of people and it gives you anxiety. So I, yeah. what used to be my favorite place to go, I very rarely go there now. <laughs> um, getting used to, now I did go and get my driver's license the next day I got out of prison um, and passed which was shocking. So driving at first was very weird. Um, but it's just like riding a bike. Everything came right back. Um, you know, I find myself maybe yearning for, um, a best friend or, you know, some friends to hang out with, but to know it'll come in time, you know, because like I said, you change your playmate, you change your playground. So you come out with nothing really. What about technology? Have you, have you had a chance to, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) When my son and his girlfriend picked me up from prison, we had about a five-hour drive back to Kansas City, and it was it was literally a five-hour iPhone lesson <laughs> that I'm still – I just have a little iPhone 6, and it still is way smarter than I am. So, That's... yeah, technology, when people shut their garage doors from an app on their phone and uh, change their thermostat in their house is, is a little too much for me. It just blows my mind all the stuff that you can do. Right. Yeah. That'll, well, that, that'll all come in time. It'll, uh, yeah. Okay. So last question here. So looking ahead, um, you know, you have a bright future in front of you. you. You have, you know, goals that you've set out. Where do you see yourself five years from now? Five years from now? Um, I see myself as the manager of my two departments that I'm the team lead over. Um, I want to have my own house. Um, don't really care if I have the the boyfriends or not because I'm doing pretty good on my own. Um, I want to do have have my personal trading on the side, but still have my full time job, and just be happy and sober. That's awesome! Great goals, Missy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Want to thank Missy Trigg once again for coming on today's show and sharing her story with the Felony Friday audience. You know, I say this almost every time. Um, it means so much for people like Missy who are willing to come forward and share these stories because I know there are people out there. I know they're out there because they've reached out to me who are touched by these stories and where it impacts and changes their life. And this isn't just people who have been to prison, 
um, who are impacted by these stories. Of course, those people can relate. Um, a lot of Felony Friday fans could definitely relate on that level, um, have been to prison, have uh, suffered some of the similar injustices, have had these long sentences. But a lot of fans of Felony Friday just are really interested and inspired by these stories, by these individuals. And that is really the mission of this show. The mission is to humanize the injustice that has been caused by the criminal justice system. So thank you to Missy for sharing her story. I just have two quick notes. Number one, just want to remind you again, I talked about it at the top of the show. Get yourself a Taxation is Death Lions of Liberty mug. You can do that starting next Friday. Next Friday, we have a special running to join the Lions of Liberty Pride where you can get a free mug starting on 9-13, September 13th. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Join for $10 or higher. You get the free mug. If you're a current Pride member, if you upgrade to 10 or more, you get a free mug. If you're already in the Pride, you get a uh, 50% off um, coupon to get a Taxation is Death mug. Or if you'd like to buy one or if you'd like to buy anything in our Lions of Liberty store and support this great podcast, Go to lionsofliberty.store and snoop around. Check it out. We have a lot of great stuff. We have Felony Friday gear there. We have stuff for the other shows for Electric Liberty Land. Brian has a uh, his uh, Do Nothing Man, the great skit that he does. He has a, a clothing line there that has a lot of different choices. Uh, Mark has put together an Are You Ready to, to Roar line. And there's, there's, a, there's just so much stuff in our Lions of Liberty store that probably none of you have ever seen. So, and maybe you might, you might just need it. You might see it and just want to buy it. Just, just, uh, you know, just, it just will pull you to pull your credit card out and punch those numbers in and, uh, get that delivered right to your address. And I just want to suggest if you do buy a shirt from Lions of Liberty, buy the Heather material. They are the most comfortable shirts. There's a, it'll say Heather in the color. There's like three or four for each of the shirts. If they don't have it, send me an email, FelonyFridayLionsOfLiberty.com, and I'll, I'll find it for you and hook you up, get you set up with it. But those shirts are so freaking comfortable. I highly recommend the Heather Material shirts in the Lions of Liberty store at LionsOfLiberty.store. And I had a second thing to say, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, the documentary. Of course, the documentary comes out on 9-13 also. So if you, you could join the Pride and hear it right now today... Or you could wait and uh, listen to it or watch it when it's released to the public. And at the same time, you could also wait and join the Pride when it's released on 913 and get your free Taxation is Death mug. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting uh, this great show and this mission we have here. The Felony Friday solo feed is coming. God, it's coming. It's just... It's a lot to put together, and uh, when I do it, I want to obviously be able to continue to do it easily. So I need a system in place, and it's you got to have a system to do podcasts. If you don't, you're going to fail. You don't do 192 shows without a system. Adding another feed changes the system greatly. So that's coming very soon to uh, be the first to know when that first episode drops. Join my private Felony Friday podcast group 
go to Facebook, type Felony Friday Podcast in the link or in the box at the top and join and uh, we'll get you in. So I've been talking for way too long. Thank you guys so much for listening today. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire is the liberty burning.